Hey everybody, welcome back to Big Campaign Stories. This is Jeff, your GM. We have a fun treat for you today at the start of Chapter 2, which is a special guest. We have the DM of the Dice of Thunder podcast. Hello. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me on uh, on Big Campaign here. I'm really excited. Um, as Jeff said, I'm the Game Master for the Dice of Thunder podcast. We say GM, Jeff, by the way. Pathfinder. <laughs> Come on, guy. <laughs> But uh, we're we're an actual play podcast running through the Outlaws of Alkenstar campaign. So all of my players are brand new to tabletop role-playing game, but I myself have been playing for a very long time since it was since Pathfinder was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons you know, in <laughs> 1994. So an actual play podcast. I thought you guys were a, a crime drama podcast. Yes, we are a milk drinking um, true crime podcast. Yeah, that's a that's a deep cut, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a Patreon. I'm gonna have to start subscribing or something just because of that reference. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> no, we have a good time. It's uh, it's just my friends and my wife and I. She's also my friend. <laughs> but uh, I, our shows, this, well, not your guys' overall show, but the this particular chapter of of the big campaign stories and our show started like what the same week i think or somewhere around there it really is a, an awesome uh thing to you you know be with you guys and just kind of see where i can screw up your entire story and all of your deep and and varied lore uh, i plan on breaking it in half no i'm i'm not i'm kidding you think there's a plan here i'm not <laughs> so planning not anything possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's you probably think it ends if we happen. die <laughs> No, you guys just become a weapon, and then someone else picks you up, right? That's how it goes. I've been, I've been I'm reading, I've been doing my homework. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for uh, having me. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a really cool opportunity to be able to be a part of someone else's story. So, thank you. We like friends. Is that the special alternate ending that you're going for? Is getting turned into a weapon at the end of hey, this man. episode? <laughs> if anything that can get me, you know, serialized rights to come back. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> well, none of us can turn you into a weapon. We are a bunch of losers. <laughs> I said it earlier, but I really think it's cool that our shows sort of run in parallel on timeline and and I I can watch the interactions that you guys are having on social media and vice versa and it's just kind of I feel like uh, you know, when you listen to a group of people for um, you guys have what twenty different episodes of varying stuff that's out under this one story. You sit there and you guys don't know it yet, but we've been friends for a very long time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll be sitting in my car and I'll, and I'll be like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't go, go, go back th through that door. You know, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you don't hear me, but uh, you know that has that changes today, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> where were you to tell us what not to do when we exploded I, exactly i mean it was the, the, the car chase while you're like running away in a winnebago the, in the last couple episodes and i was like uh you know like i was freaking out and i'm like what is this gelatinous owlbear monstrosity that jeff has you know hatched like <laughs> That was definitely a shower monster. As a GM, I can tell you that was a monster that came out of a long, hot shower at the end. Like, oh, 
I can just picture like, oh, what am I going to throw at these guys when they're in the Winnebago running away? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. A, a gelatinous cube that's also an owlbear. <laughs> Plus it's dark and spooky. Yeah, but I was like in, in my mind, I'm like, don't use piercing damage. And I'm like screaming it into the... <laughs> Slashing! <laughs> Trying to help you guys metagame over here, but... <laughs> What's what's uh, our biggest mistake so far by your by your <laughs> estimate? Oh, I, I that's hard to that's hard to quantify. Not not <laughs> I don't mean that as like an insult. Um, <laughs> I mean like it's it, I I like the um the maybe theory of of thinking about your your past campaign, right? Like like maybe that was a mistake, but what what happened as a result of it? Uh Maybe it wasn't a mistake. I mean, unless somebody died, pretty much okay. As long as you get... get you know. Right? Yeah, that's fair. Nobody died. That's how it is. You're already setting up to throw me under the bus. I get well, it. <laughs> none of... I said that all our players are new, right? So none of them have experienced character death. And they're all... They clutch on to their precious little bebe with all of their... <laughs> All of their life, and I keep dropping hints like nothing in Pathfinder is guaranteed, and uh, <laughs> someday the, one of you will die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dice are telling the story here, guys, and I'm trying to like warm them up to the idea that at some point in time, some massive ogre or something is gonna crush their chest, <laughs> and they're gonna have to roll up a new character. Does Does one of them have an animal companion or a familiar? Yes, but that animal companion has the uh, GM feat invulnerability because it's my wife's character. Because <laughs> that's the way that's the way kids learn, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kill their pet. I don't think I'll be able to flush her pet jaguar down the toilet, but we'll, you know we'll try. Proverbial toilet. You need a dream of larger toilets. <laughs> they are in a giant clockwork city, so I'm sure I can, you know, cook up something horrible. <laughs> but uh I, I think one of the things that enamored me to your guys's campaign was the the tweenerism of it all like the pathfinder in its in its core game is very much a fantasy setting right? and you have mm. the whole galarian mythos and all the lore and all that stuff that goes along with it and it's it's swords and and sorcery and um and then you have starfinder which is uber sci-fi galarian has been destroyed and is is basically just a space station and and you're traveling through the drift and warping to different planets and all this other like super sci-fi stuff and there's really nothing from the Paizo or Pathfinder world that's set in that in that in between of those two <laughs> extremes and that's what you guys fit right in that spot and I think that's that's cool it's like Pathfinder meets Blade Runner yeah let's start with them lightsaber checks as the guest of the table, Scott, start us off. Oh, a 15 and a 17. That's what I got. So close. All righty. Go ahead and call it. Who's next? Oh, well, then Lucius, since I cut him, he would be standing right behind me. <laughs> oh, I should be guest first. This is John playing as Lucius, and I rolled a 14. No lightsabers. Um, Sean, go for it. Hey, this is Sean playing fours, and I did not pull out a lightsaber, but. Uh, Jesse. This is Jesse playing as Oswald, and I got an 11. Man, I can't believe Mav actually did it. 
I can. He, and he really buried the lead. I was listening to that episode. I was like, oh, I'm like, I got really excited. And he was like, oh, I guess I got a 40. <laughs> wow. What a jerk. <laughs> Basically have the spear that pierced Christ's chest now. And you're just like, oh. I got to decide if I want the lump sum or the uh, paid out and over a period of time. Oh, geez. So much to consider. So inconvenient, and who do I trust? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) This will take place a month after the events of the Sillanay National Park. So I imagine you guys are late January, still before the Festival of Families. So I'm going to read a small opening story to start off Chapter 2. Unbeknownst to even the Surveyors Association, Kelmeny Drive is the oldest road in Dustbanter. It starts at the gates of the Amon head office. From there, it shoots off like a bullet through the financial district, leaving competition in its wake. It tries to avoid the old standing stones entirely, which is now a new branch of Bah Humburger. It twists and turns through the arts and religious districts, inexplicably tying them together in bows and knots. And finally, on the outskirts of the warehouse district, it terminates at the back door of a small greasy spoon called Goodberries where currently two crows circle above, watching and praying with hungry bellies. Kruvin knew the ways. His claws tucked up against his belly, the feathers of his long vermilion wings warmed by the sun's rays that were just now burning away the morning rain. A man launched a singing rock past him, but Kruvin dodged on instinct and dove under the hum of a flying house. Another man waved its gross, featherless meat claws into the air, trying to gather others of its kind, but none listened. And neither did Kravine, as the smell of prey was in the air. Yes, Kravine knew the ways, better than Druid. His ka was a call to arms. His wings worshipped the wind. He was all that was crow, and Druid was behind him. They landed high above, out of the reach of the man. Druid aimlessly pecked at their perch, the blue and green of his feathers taking on a pink glow from the neon sign. Their four beady black eyes hungrily watched the shriek below, as they caught out their pleas to the only gods that crows know the ones that watched the world before the flying machines and before the towers of man rose up into the beyond. The slapping of feet on wet cement was the only evidence of their crime. As ephemeral as the morning mist itself, a tray of donuts split between three halflings. Too distracted by their victory and by the spoils of of stolen pastries that they don't notice a woman step out in front of them. A prayer somewhere up high was answered as the halflings bowled right into her. The donuts went flying in all directions, but mostly they landed on her before crashing into the ground. A too-tight ponytail up top and the entrails of ill-gotten gains splattered across her blouse. Lemon, raspberry, custard. Can't you just be cool? The halflings say. Her stare says no. The scatter of fleeing halflings is quickly followed by the flapping of feathers as the crows descend upon the helpless donuts. The woman, now furious, surged onward. Glass doors part before her. A lizardman desperately attempts to halt the fury, but is easily cast aside. He is left clinking to his desk like a raft in a storm. Steam rises up from a paper cup, sat before an uncomfortable, but well-dressed man, his cybernetic arm tapping the glass of his table. They say inside a man are roads that are something akin to the ley lines from which magic flows, and this man had used that magic to change the flavor of hot water into something akin to coffee. Are you fucking kidding me, Lucius? You made me come all the way down here, Matilda yells. John, why is Matilda mad at you? Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> We've got options, guys. We've got options. 
I want to say that above all the other reasons she would be mad, I want to say that she's still bitter that she thinks that there's something in our uh, our hideout that uh, is secret and hidden. Is it because you call it a hideout? She wants to know about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a hideout. Well, what, what do we call this place? It's been like our base. It's been our whatever, but... I mean, I call it the office. But... The office. The impound? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. We'll go. No, you're good. I think that's what we're going to call it right now, the impound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always been more than an impound, and she's known that. But since I have been the owner of it, haven't let her just do whatever she wants in there. But she could also be mad that I haven't picked up my phone in a long time. <laughs> Maybe she's mad that my arm got blown off. Would, would she <laughs> Maybe be? Maybe she cares. Um, <laughs> we're still establishing that. There's also that time that we <laughs> we were on pictures starting the uh, the house wars. I don't know who this we is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you. <laughs> you were the guy who got us the basket. Yeah, but I wasn't on pictures. But back to the point at hand, Matilda puts both hands on the desk. When I call you, you answer. No, it just doesn't have to work that way, as you can see, because it hasn't. Thanks for coming by. You must have a reason. <laughs> I'm trying to reach you about Xavier. He's thinking about quitting his job. Talk to him. Why would he? Why would he think about that? I don't know. I thought he loves his job. He seems to be, I don't know, tired of it, I guess. Also, and she looks at your, your cybernetic arm. And it's fully displayed, tapping fingers, just, I <laughs> can't make the noise probably go through my, uh, my mic, but the, I don't know if that, <laughs> just the pace, <laughs> the beat of life. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and give me a sense motive, Lucius. All right. Now, one second here. So now I can technically, I think, do a perform check as opposed to a sense motive with, mm. uh perform oratory but i don't exactly know what that looks like so i guess if you're replacing sense motive which is trying to gain insight in someone i would imagine a perform oratory being the The cross-examination yeah kind of like the lie to me or the mentalist kind of thing where you talk and get them to reveal a little bit more than they're supposed to sorry one second again more seconds elsewhere in the building for oswald as well as Barry and Gore can hear Matilda's voice echoing from Lucius's office. I'd probably put down my book and uh, start coming upstairs so that can be handy for whatever is going to come out of this. I'm, I'm sure something's going to come out of it. Oh, is the office upstairs? Well, I figure I'm more downstairs <laughs> than anything else. I've always pictured it as like the, the workshop is like a, on a downstairs level compared to the, okay. the offices. Yeah, we really need a, an official floor plan for it because... We really need a map for this place. <laughs> In any case, I, I leave the workshop and, and start heading towards the conference room. Okay. Uh, Barry will be sitting in the conference room with Fords and Oswald as he uh, he wrings his hand. He, he does feel nervous having Matilda be here and be so upset. But back in the office, Lucius, go ahead and roll that. And I get a total of 24 on a perform oratory in an attempt to get Matilda to kind of speak enough that I can grasp what she's actually thinking. Lucius, yeah, as you get her to talk a little bit more, you can definitely tell she has reached out a lot more since the events at the National Preserve. 
Lucius, you can tell that for what it's worth, this is how Matilda expresses her concern. You not answering the phone probably comes back to when you were recovering after the events of the National Park and where you didn't answer anybody's calls. And so she came down here, I think, more to see you, but being upset is the best way to express that. All right. So I guess I'll deflect a little bit, get back to Xavier. Well, what is he doing that makes you think that he wants to quit his job? He's doing what you do. He stopped answering my calls. He stopped responding to my messages. He sent back a thumbs up when I asked him how the business was going. (laughs) And I'll chuckle, yeah. Then I'll look her in the eye kind of sympathetically and say, look, I lived through it. I would have done it again. I'm fine. Dangerous line of work, right? She stares at you for a bit before she uh, throws her scarf over her shoulder. You don't get two chances. You already got one. And she will storm out. As, as she walks by Barry and Gore, seeing Oswald and Fours in the uh, conference room, she just kind of stares at you all in a way that expresses probably a little bit more hatred than normal. <laughs> and then leaves the building. And I'll step out of the office. Oh, that went better than I thought it would. <laughs> Go over and close the door that Matilda left hanging open. (laughs) As you go to close the door, uh, a gentleman is approaching. (laughs) I will instead stand aside and keep the door open for this gentleman. As you keep the door open, you can see Matilda getting into the back of the car, her blue and gray scarf wrapped around her neck as she yells at the driver to get her the fuck out of this shitty place. (laughs) As she looks back at the building, catching and making eye contact with you, Oswald, as she drives off. Raise my hand in neutral greeting to her. <laughs> but the man approaching, go ahead and describe yourself. Do you see a tall, slender human male? His hair is uh, shock white, but very thick. His eyes are a piercing blue. Uh, he's handsome. He appears young, despite the, the color of his hair. And he has a, a very confident stride, but he just looks a little bit out of place. He looks a little bit off the shelf, as it were. His clothes, they match like what you would expect to see someone walking down the street in the city wearing, but they look like they were literally ripped off of a mannequin and, and he put them on about two minutes ago. Um, he walks up to the door, looks right at Oswald, kind of smiles and, and nods, and then walks into the the building and stops at the reception desk where Gore is and says, uh, Jeanne Dobre, see a cello. Yeah, this, this man walks up to the reception counter. He knows where he's, he seems like he knows where he's going and asks to speak to Lucius Elstabold, please. Close the door like I always planned on doing. <laughs> yeah, Lucius, you will hear your name called at the front counter. Uh, Gore, as he's playing on his phone, will... <laughs> Go to message over, uh, hey boss, uh, you got someone who's not mad at you yet? I'll look you up and down and with a smile. I'm Lucius, and I'll walk over to shake your hand with my good hand. Ah, very good. I am Chessero Man, and he extends his hand up to shake yours as well. And when he clasps your hand, he pulls you in very, very closely, like uncomfortably, like movie. Uh, dialogue between two characters who probably shouldn't be standing that close together, but they are that close together because they're in the same shot close. Like that close. <laughs> and I've ragged all over to you because it's not too hard to pull me over to somebody. <laughs> it takes a lot out of this guy, too. He's not much. He's, I don't even think he's bigger than Lucius. He's probably the same build. 
but he gazes intently right into your eyes and pauses. The personal bubble disappears. Yeah, no, no personal bubble, bubble respect at all. And says, ah, yes, you are the young Estebold, aren't you? Ah, and he lingers for a moment, just maybe uncomfortably long, and then backs up and says, it is a pleasure to meet you. I have um, a proposition, if you're willing to hear it. <laughs> all right, you seem pretty interesting already. <laughs> you might have noticed on the... Wait, are you magic at all? Can you uh, do spellcraft? It'd be hard. But you might notice that your your breath kind of changed flavors a little bit, so it wasn't so <laughs> so weird for me. Kind of minty. <laughs> to make interactions with me more palatable, is that... <laughs> no, just the up and close, like oh, yeah. right in the face. No, it wasn't unpleasant, but it was definitely <laughs> awkward. It's almost like that air freshener spritz that sometimes happens when those things are loaded in the rooms. You're looking around like, where the hell is that thing? Right. You just hear it in the corner of the bathroom. And <laughs> what was that? Why do I smell lilacs? You're aware of the type of work that we do. Indeed, I am. In fact, I am more aware than it may seem, for I come from Korja. I am what you would call a perpetual, and I am familiar with the name Estebold, as most of us know of Magnus Estebold, your grandfather. Indeed. That is not why I am here for a family history lesson. I am here for this! And he holds up credit chip. <laughs> or, or rather, <laughs> to use this, I suppose, to acquire your services. I understand this is the, uh, the Bold Requisitions Impound, is that correct? It is. Very good. Well, I require some impounding of a sort. You see, uh, well, let's get the business out of the way first, shall we? There's 20,000 credits on this chip for your services. All right, why don't you step into the office and I'll call on the team. As you guys all head to the office, Barry will stop you all. And Is there anything you need? Well, thank you, my good man. I, I would love a glass of water. I am rather parched. Absolutely. Barry will head off to get the water. As you can hear, the jingle of Gore's uh, cell phone games going off as you guys head off. Every single mom in the Rethi Empire quakes at the name of Gore as he just demolishing them all on Words with Friends. <laughs> it's canon now. You have to write it in, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's the rules. I, <laughs> I know what I've got myself You're going to let this outsider monkey with our canon? <laughs> I told you I was here to mess it up. <laughs> He's carefully aimed. <laughs> oh shit! How does he know about the monkey cannon? Oh, but yes, you find yourselves all in Lucius's office, looking over the fairly empty impound lot. No, <laughs> no fancy convertible car, no RV. Chessero will say, "I see that uh, business is booming oh, very well. Uh, what I have to complete this task is not something that I am well." very fond of having to do in the first place. You see, normally it would uh, it would go to Perpetual Zerain, but uh, he's busy performing some other task for the Black Library, and, and here we are. So, would you like to know the details of the job? Shall we just wing it, as they say here in the city? Yeah, I hear they say that. Go ahead, tell us what the details are. All right. Well, a former classmate of mine by the name of Weiss Ryren, well, she's lost herself to her Alfia, a greatsword known as Reseric. During her episode, she made off with another weapon known as Father, a Sulanai bladed scarf of blue and gray with yellow-tipped accents. Naturally, one is to assume that 
sconning with this property that really wasn't even hers to begin with, and she would try to sell the Alfia on the black market. We tracked her movements to the Rethi Empire, and shortly after, there were reports of an Illicun woman matching her description following the destruction of a Dalam weapons depot in the Duskbanter district. My task, and the thing I am hoping to hire you to help me do, is retrieve both Alfia and perhaps even Weezeran, if she is willing to cooperate. What do you say, Mr. Estebold? We have a deal. Well, typically recovering stolen items isn't exactly... Well, I think it's gray enough. <laughs> what do you guys think? I'll look over to Fors. <laughs> I, I'm uh, just considering repair and medical expenses right now. But... <laughs> sure sounds like a <laughs> interesting task. Great. Well, if there are no objections, when do we leave? Um, Oswald's eyebrows will go up. <laughs> oh, I, I may have forgotten to mention that one of the requirements of taking this job is that I will be accompanying you. <laughs> mm. The handling of an Alfir is n- not something to be taken lightly. It requires a perpetual, someone who studies at the Black Library. And of course, I am making all of this up out of my asshole. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Yeah, game wise, an Alfier can mess you up if you can't control it. So, anyways, back to in character. <laughs> we can go soon. I believe that our uh, our Hedron vehicle, the Wrecker, should almost be done with its repairs. In the meantime, though, everybody, I think that we should meet downstairs. Is this the rest of your crew that will be joining us? It is. Oh, very, very good. Oswald and um, Fours. I am Chesser Roman, and he quickly shakes both of their hands. <laughs> uh, when I shake your hand, I will reach with my other one to pull off a uh, a sizing sticker off your coat that you missed. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Uh, I do hope that I look the part, yes? Oh, you look great. Not a lot of adventuring <laughs> gear in the closets of the Black Library. <laughs> I could think of one person that would criticize if you were here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you referring to the sexy robot friend I've heard so much about. Yeah, I'll lead everybody down to the secret stairwell. You guys will head downstairs. Is this into the actual workshop, John, or is this in the other area? I've always thought that from the office there was a secret entrance into the other area. Okay. Magnus is hold where he stashed all his cool stuff. Yeah, when we start going down this uh, passageway, I'll kind of look wide-eyed at you. Like, are you sure about this? I'm sure. So I know I've been a little bit weird since almost dying, <laughs> but I don't think I'm ever going to look at a situation and not want to do the right thing. So things didn't turn out as well as they could have last time in the preserve, but you weren't wrong, Oswald. I don't regret going back. Thanks, boss. But maybe we get a little bit better prepared. Mm-hmm. And throughout the room, you'll see on display several items. And uh, I can try to explain what they do maybe jeff would be better if you did so as lucius pulls book it will the bookshelf itself will slide aside to reveal a stairway that goes down into a part of the building that does not seem accessible in other areas going down below you all see that this is a a different kind of office there are books there is an alchemist lab this looks like a place to study the arcane in a shelf over to the side there is a display cabinet uh, that holds magnus's gear you see a bastard sword inside of it that seems to have an adamantium handle, but the blade itself is made of 
various shards of broken glass re-put back together. A set of nice gauntlets made out of acanthian, a pauldron made out of blackened mithril with crow patterns etched into it, a long jacket made out of a dire owlbear pelt uh, with claws on the shoulders, the inside lined with suncloth and arcane defense roots. Books line all about, and it is lit automatically as you guys come down by globes that float in the room. Oswald will mumble to himself, I gotta return those library books. Yeah, Magnus was a perpetual, and I hope that some of this gear can help us. Indeed, it probably can, if the gear is anything like the man, Cicero will add. I'll chuckle, I don't think I can even pick that sword up. Do I still have that greatsword? Uh, yeah, you still have Ranger <laughs> Sand's greatsword up in your room. The real hero of episode nine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, if he hadn't have shown up, we would still be alive. The light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. What a bastard. <laughs> so you wearing that sexy owlbear coat? I forget what everything does. I'd have to scroll through loads of text to try to find it. Yeah, I can tell you what everything does. Let's do that. <laughs> Alrighty, so on the mechanical side for everyone, Magnus's cloak, the dire Albert pelt, uh, it does add plus seven to armor class, it has no dex mod, it does count as a light armor, and has no arcane spell failure chance, and it does ignore the first critical hit in an encounter, it has cold resist ten, and the pockets are all part of one bag of holding. The pauldron, Sidaric's Grace, a Farron pauldron made from black and mithril with crow patterns. It is a plus two buckler. When under the effect of a spell that increases your AC, the bonus increases by two. When under an effect that increases your speed, you gain evasion until that effect ends. The gauntlets, Malmori, an Illican designed item, provide the indestructible tag to any item that is currently being held by it. And Magnus's bastard sword, Tesfred's key, is made of Ethereum shards with an adamantium handle. It is a plus one keen bastard sword. When a critical hit or a natural one is rolled, you do gain one moat. The moats do not expire. Moats are shards of time that are stolen. They can be used to add 1d4 to any roll as a free action. Is that sword an Alfier? It is not. Is that a reforged time, time flare sword? It is a reforged time flare sword. That's terrifying. <laughs> Magnus, like Chesro, belong to the perpetuals that don't necessarily use alfiers, but are, can bring them in. Oh yeah, this is what we have. And I'll probably pick up that <laughs> big old coat. <laughs> coat. Do a little bit of a twirl as I put it on. <laughs> I'm sure Dosh would say you look great. Probably get some use out of that buckler. <laughs> yeah, John, this is your show. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'll look to Oswald and Fours and say, please grab anything you think that will be useful. If you have any questions about them, I guess let me know about it. Hopefully we can do right by Magnus with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll look to Forrest first. Yeah, I was I was probably going to grab the pauldron. Hmm? Uh, gosh, uh, I don't think this is the right time to use that bastard sword. That seems really yeah good for killing folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't seem like that or kind of mission. Or you could end up regretting it. Maybe you're a bastard sword kind of guy. <laughs> is there a mechanical reason why you don't want to take it? It's too heavy, or... I probably can wield it. I wield something pretty close to that right now, uh, which is a Suline Dancing Blade. It's not exactly a Bastard Sword, but it's in the same kind of realm of, of sword. I, I think I would leave that behind for this mission, um, but I'll grab those gauntlets. That's, that seems like one of those, like, never know when it's going to come in handy sort of abilities. 
So acanthium gauntlets, they are a little bit awkward to use, but you definitely are able to get used to them. But any item that you hold or any item being mm -hmm. held is indestructible. Unless the point of that, the item is to be destructed. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about like, what if I was holding like a glass vial? Does that mean I can't crush it in my hand now? Correct. That's up to you. But okay. you couldn't have a wrecker and just slam it and get someone to explode it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't spam low kick when they're in the corner. It would just turn into a improvised weapon. <laughs> yes. It right. wouldn't detonate. Yeah, it wouldn't detonate. You could just beat someone to death with a claymore that doesn't break. <laughs> Take this deep for... I'd also be looking around at all the books in the room, making a, a mental catalog of what I want to come back and read later. Just going to help yourself? Yeah, probably. Chessero would do that too, gathering information, but not like in a bad way, just sort of like taking it in stock. Occasionally making comments like, we have the collector's edition of this book back at the Black Library. That's very good, yes. <laughs> yeah, Chester, if there's anything you think that needs to go back to Corza with you, um, I don't think that it really needs to stay here for any reason. No sentimentality, I don't think. My mission, as it were, is not to come here and clean up your house. It is to retrieve those two lost out here I told you about. These have come into your possession. It must be for a reason. And wise Wyrens as well, right? Well, yes. As you know, the corruption of the mind by an Alphia can sometimes drive people to extremes. They are quite rare. I do wish to recover her. Huh. Perhaps she can begin a healing. I'll walk over and pick up my father's journal for a minute, just to hold it for a second, then put it back down. So are we ready to go then? All right, so now wearing these gauntlets, I'm looking back to Lucius. Say we go... Uh get the record back from the the mechanic and and then where do we need to go chesero has a lead he mentioned earlier that there was a um an illican woman that's what um we's rerun is matching her description following the destruction of a dalam weapons depot in the dusk banter district so that's his big lead is recently there was a weapons depot that was destroyed and and a woman matching her description that's kind of all he's got to go on though yeah, you guys would know if somebody did steal something large and corporate, they're probably going to have to find like a black market, or as you guys know, like the scorn market is kind of a place to sell illicit material. And you think that this person would be trying to sell these things? Uh, he'll say, it's entirely possible. It makes sense. Why else would someone need two Alfia other than to scond with one and pay for their bad intentions or finance themselves. I'm not familiar with the influence that Rizarek would hold over her. That was her Alfir. What place is any to start then? Could it be that we're actually dealing with the influence of father if Rizarek grabbed another Alfir? Can you be bonded to two Alfir? Imagine you have three people trying to drive the car. Which hmm? we've tried recently. <laughs> like, like the brownies and willow when they're trying you know like yeah. do the pedals and i'll do the steering wheel yeah i'm just thinking about like right now we're dealing with one body that has two alfiers so there's three consciousnesses mm -hmm. all trying to like grab for control of the one body oh it doesn't have to be that way if uh if you've got one like not wielded right you've got it stashed away yeah. then you're all right right so if, if Wee's lost control to Rizarek, then it depends on whether Rizarek would have tried to wield Father or just carry it. Mm. 
That remains unknown. Okay. Uh, so the destruction of a weapons depot, would that have made the news, or is that something that the, the corporations would have kept quiet? Yeah, down here in the Rethi Empire, you guys would have heard the news that Red Bandana had assaulted uh, Delam Depot and blown it up. Mm. It would have just kind of passed over, right? It doesn't stand out as anything direct, but hearing Cesaro's information you'd imagine that's part of that cover-up, right? Like, the the corporations wouldn't want to show the idea that they could just be attacked, but the Red Maiden are, are very easy scapegoats for a lot of these anti-corporate behaviors. The lead that Chessero had was that a, a woman matching the description of these Huron was seen at the scene, right? And the, and the Black Library folks put that together. Like, this isn't, this isn't some Red Bandana thing. And they sent Chessero to investigate. All right. So seems like we head down there and start asking around, ask with some, see if we can find some witnesses. Maybe they can point us in the direction of where she went. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's security footage we can get a hold of too. Um, Chessero will, before you, we all mount up and, and head out, will say, uh, just, just one moment before we leave, I must ask you all a very important question. Um, would you be willing to allow me? certain influence over you really it's yes and no but uh <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a no dog <laughs> allow me to explain you see during my research at the black library i have learned how to utilize the power of suggestion uh, for good or for bad and believe it may help if we encounter any kind of danger i truly do not need your permission however i prefer to have it <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> Phrasing it that way does not make me inclined to give you permission. <laughs> All right, so he goes right up to Oswald, and he's like, "You first. Uh, I'm I'm looking to Lucius. Like, <laughs> should I go with this or not? So he he grabs your hand, and uh, yeah, it's not like forceful or anything, but he says, "Look directly into my eyes and understand this. Should we?" come across any danger, I will be there to support you. Even though it may not seem it is possible, I will be there to help you. And should you come under attack, then you will also notice the attacks are not effective, or I will help you again. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? Very good. You, you didn't feel anything, did you? And he gives you kind of a sly wink. <laughs> I'm like prodding at my head, like combing my hands through my through my tentacles atop my head like, oh god, is there something going on inside my brain now? Did Chessero cast a spell or something? You did not detect any magical energy. His hand is out to fours. Do you, do you take his hand? Yeah, I, I take your hand. Alright, I say the exact same thing in the exact same way, which I can't possibly do, because I didn't write it down. <laughs> That's what you hear. I, I uh, take off my my glasses and I rub my eyes and I I stare into your eyes with my gigantic big old bug eyes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay. And then he goes. Lastly, he goes up to uh, Lucius and holds his hand out. Yeah, I'll walk up to you as well. And once again, he, he pulls you obnoxiously close and stares at you. <laughs> <laughs> then he backs up to the like a normal distance and then repeats the same uh mantra over you just smiling looking back and forth between you two <laughs> it is, he does do that thing again where he gets right up in your face and it's like he's it's almost like he's peering 
beyond your eyes. Like he's looking for something. That's it. That's what happens. Excellent. I feel ready. And he pulls the carbine off of his back and racks around and kind of awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> Worry the safety is on. I have learned trigger discipline from the finest minds of the Black Library. You learned how to shoot a gun from librarians? <laughs> well, I learned you know, those books there that you, you, you just, you hold it like this and he aims the gun right at you. God! <laughs> I'll dive to the side. Oh, forgive me. I skipped ahead. You look down the thing here and you put these two points there. And then you just, you know, you pull this bit. Oh, don't worry, I'm not going to. I know that that makes the noise and the bullet comes out. You sure you know how to use that thing? <laughs> like I said, I have studied the topic thoroughly in preparation for this trip. I'll walk over and help uh, Oswald up. It's like, don't worry, he studied it. You ever seen what one of those can do to somebody? I have seen many illustrations. Okay. We are all extra dead. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been mind wiped, and now there's somebody helping us, quote unquote, with a gun. <laughs> All right, I say we head out. All right, so we're gonna walk to the mechanic shop to pick up the wrecker. Uh, how far is it? Because probably I think it's a couple of blocks. A couple of blocks is fine. Uh, so this is looking like um, we're not not looking to kill anybody, of course, because we're not mercenaries. What are we looking at equipment-wise, as far as how we want to approach this? Hmm. That's hard to say until we find out where they are. But if we find them out in the open, I guess we'd do our best to just disarm them and get them to Chesro, so we can get them back to Corza. It's just hard to see what that looks like right now. Chesro will just sort of follow along with you guys closely. and Yeah, maybe we can pull that off. I've been, I've been practicing... Lifting things off of people tends to be things in pockets, not swords on hips, but I could give it a shot. Oswald, is Cobbler here at the office or back at your apartment? Yeah, Cobbler's here at the office. Uh, I've been spending a lot more time at the office lately, so Cobbler's here. Yeah, as you guys head up to head out, Gorwell, hey, Dosh isn't responding back to my messages. Uh, he said he was going to Tower Optics. I was hoping to get the new HCOM that was coming out today. Uh, have you guys heard from him? No. I'll mm. check my phone. Yep, me too. All right, all right. Well, maybe he'll get it for me. Yeah, he'll he'll go back to his phone, and well, I'll just keep texting him. <laughs> <laughs> Would we have known that he went to Tower Optics? Yes, I, I'm all going right. to. You haven't you haven't done that with Mav yet, right? It's Tower Optics stuff. Uh, correct. I'm going to say not. that uh, he did text me. I can't I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Dosh did uh, text me, and then I'm going to put in the request to pick up the new HCOM for Gore. <laughs> I'm just going to obligate Mav to to contact my character at some point <laughs> in his in his episode. <laughs> yeah, Gore will thank you very much. Yeah, I, I do not understand why you guys like those slivers so much. There's not even any games on them. But it's just mind games. <laughs> Are there mind games? <laughs> I never mind. <laughs> yeah. He will now consider Slivers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he has his legs up on the desk and he is petting Cobbler. One drawer for cats, one drawer for candy bars. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you guys were going to head out to get the wrecker back from 
the Steelhounds, Barali's cousin, who runs the mechanic shop. Is that right? Uh, yes, I believe so. As you guys are heading out the building, Chessero will lean over to no one in particular and say, uh, what is a H-com? And uh, mine will float out of my pocket and find itself in your hands. It's a communication device. It's kind of complicated. Like a sliver? And... Or is it different? It's kind of like a cellular mobile phone. Fascinating. Excellent. As you guys head out of the office to walk towards the Steel Hounds mechanic shop, you guys will leave, pass by where Sharap used to hold his chess matches. You'll see down the road where the Barali's Bakery used to be has a sign outside of it saying that a new Bah Humburger is coming soon. Oh, man. <laughs> Your favorite. As I look to Oswald. <laughs> Not my favorite. They just have food. They're convenient. Cassero will say, what is a bar hamburger? Well, it's like a, a hamburger, except it goes all the way around. It goes all the way around what? <laughs> the hamburger. You are like negatives bad at explaining <laughs> things, Jesse. <laughs> hey man, it sounded good to hit Chessero. <laughs> yeah, as we walk past it, I'll put a graffiti mark on it. <laughs> you guys will show up at a large mechanic shop. Uh, you will see these small Lykel come rushing out as he takes a seat at the front desk. How can I help you? Here to pick up our Hedron vehicle. Oh, Estable. Yeah. Yeah. Give me one second. A Borlix will jump down from his chair and head towards the back before he'll bring out the wrecker uh, with the door reinstalled. Bullet wounds uh, removed. <laughs> no more dino damage on the car. You all load up into the wrecker after a Borlix uh, turns over the keys and takes payment for it. Painfully pay the man. What's the seating like inside the wrecker? Is it like a normal car? Or is there just one pilot seat up front and we all have to share the same bench seat in the back? <laughs> it's kind of like a van or an SUV. So you got front seats and then back seats and then a back kind of area where we keep Scooby. I call shotgun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that We kind of assume that. <laughs> yeah. I go to check the AC. It still doesn't work. <laughs> But yeah, so I understand you guys are going to head up then to where the DeLom robbery took place? Yeah, that'll be the first stop. All right, very well. So you guys get on the freeway heading north. Uh, oh, hey, Cicero, you mind my asking uh, why you didn't go to the Seekers? Fours, right? Yes. Uh, to me, it seemed like I would always be safer behind a book. I <laughs> don't think your answer made much sense. Instead of hiring us, why didn't you go to the Seekers? Yeah. Well, the name Estebold is something that I am familiar with, and like having the opportunity to uh, treat with the grandson of the great Magnus Estebold, well, I couldn't really pass that up. Well, that makes total sense. Yep, and for 20,000 cred, this can definitely be a gray area. <laughs> I knew that you ran a business, and your business was acquiring things, and which just happens to be the very nature of why I'm here. Would you rather I go to? I can take my cred chip back if you'd like, and I. No, no, no. I, I wasn't. I wasn't complaining. Uh, are you sure? I wasn't complaining. I'm just uh, could, uh, saving the Black Library twenty k in creds and coming back with the same sword and and bladed scarf. I'm sure I would be. Hail as a great hero in the Black Library. I mean, uh, the Seekers aren't really known for their just handling of uh, citizen requests, right? <laughs> Oh, sure, sure. It's just Oswald has noticed that twice now you've been more more interested in getting the stuff back than the person. 
is so foolish to let an Althea take over their mind. Maybe just doesn't deserve to have one in the first place. How does that work exactly, an Althea taking over your mind? Like you touch one and then zap, it's in control? Well, as I understand it, and again, I've only read this in books, but the spirit that lives inside of the weapon has an influence over the person who wields it. Those who are strong will can resist this influence and use the weapon in, in whatever way it was meant in order to do great works of, of, of good and help. But uh, some of these weapons, the souls that are housed inside of them, well, maybe they have a different idea of what is good and what is helpful. And they never stop nagging in your ear, at least ear of your mind. Your mind's ear? I don't know. <laughs> your mind's ear is a thing. How'd I do, Jeff? Did I nail? Did I nail it? Did I nail my uh, my big campaign lore? Yeah. A plus. <laughs> Solid Elfier uh, problems. <laughs> so what? We need to like wear gloves when we handle these things. No, no. That is why I am here. I understand how to handle these things. Although I have not been able to bond with one of my own. Maybe after all of this unpleasantness is over, we can get a Humbug. <laughs> I mean, you could get one on the way if we're hungry. They have drive through We're not stopping for a Humburger. <laughs> yeah, what's in the area of the uh, Delam uh, Weapons Depot, was it? Equipment Depot? Scene of the crime? As you guys head north of the freeway to approach what is a northern warehouse district where the uh, the storage for Delam is kept. This far north, there is a Bergillion. There are multiple small kind of street vendors that have food and things like that. That's what you're looking for. But you will see the warehouse area sectioned off with kind of that police tape that says, do not cross. A couple of seekers posted about, uh, as well as you will see, Detective Das. As Das sees your vehicle pull up, uh, you guys can physically feel her <laughs> kind of like, oh, God. <laughs> As I say, oh, God. Ezra will say, do you, do you know that, that woman there? She seems to know you. Yep, we're acquainted. No hiding now. Is she going to get in our way? That's hard to say, but lately it hasn't seemed like they would get in our way. This all looks like some sort of official investigation. Do you think that we will have difficulty getting access to this? Oh, we're not going in there. Yeah. Well, very well. Lead the way then, Lucius. Yeah, Doss is waiting. You'll see her put out a cigarette underneath her foot as you guys exit the vehicle. Are you turning this game into sight? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, is, is Doss our Lassiter? <laughs> but you'll see Detective Doss as she walks over. Uh, stopping in the parking lot between the Seeker's tape as well as your vehicle. What are you doing here, requisitions? Crazy running into you here. <laughs> but the only thing that does bring us out usually, a contract. How's your investigation going? So far, not great. What could have done this? Well, and she'll step, in a, 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 she'll step a little bit closer, further away from the other Seekers. Whoever did this had something that eats metal. Mm. Uh, we have three people dead. Storage unit empty. A lot of guns on the street. Seems though whoever did this had something to them that let them chew through steel and chew through metal to, to get to these items here. I mean, most of these are labeled as anonymous, so I'm not sure how they found it. I'm going to guess nobody's come forward as an eyewitness on this. Not yet. Not surprised. But if you guys have a contract, 
I would assume, and she'll look over all of you, and uh, you'll definitely take note that she does notice that Dosh is not there and spots a perpetual. I will assume this has something to do outside of kind of normal bounds, or would that be unfair to say? That's a repossession. <laughs> so you were hired by Delam to get this back? Uh, actually, we don't know if we're related on this one. That's what we're here to find out. So maybe if we uh, don't have the same uh, goals here, maybe I might have information down the road that could be helpful if you have information now or down the road that could be helpful for us. Yeah, go and toss me that diplomacy check, Lucius. Is there aiding available? Uh, yeah, you could definitely aid if you were to roll diplomacy as well, as long as you beat a DC 10, but give me that sweet roleplay to add on. Get it. <laughs> Sorry, I am going to say that I rolled a one. <laughs> Stop disappointing. Chesaro will try to aid then and say, um, I am new to the city here, and, and my friends at, at Bold Requisitions, I've, I've heard they are the finest at what they do and are aided in such by the wonderful seekers that protect this, this lovely city. And you need me to roll, because I have a 15. Auto pass. Detective Doss kind of looks at both of you, and you see her put her fingers between her eyes on the bridge of her nose. She, oh my god. Yeah. She'll call back to the other seekers. Hey boys, uh, why don't you take a coffee break real quick? And they'll, they'll take advantage of this to wander off. You get five minutes, guys. Best I can do for you. But just, just don't. <laughs> Please. She'll look at you again and between Seleni and Sulene, could you not make this a thing? When she says we have five minutes, I'm going to scramble in the back of the uh, wrecker van <laughs> to get out my drone. I will similarly shoot out a grappling hook and start moving towards the weapons depot immediately. Yeah, I'm really hoping this isn't going to be a thing, but you never know. I'm going to take a little risk here with your guys' entire life. Uh, and Jessero <laughs> says to the detective, um, if I may, can you please provide us with every last bit of information you've collected so far without um, any hesitancy? <laughs> and I am going to use an ability on her mm -hmm. called um, Hypnotic Stare, which gives her a minus two to her will saves. And then I am going to cast her in person. <laughs> Alrighty. Minus two to her will save. And the DC she's trying to beat is what? Can I roll a spellcraft to try to get what's going on? I got a 24. Perfect. Chesaro is able to charm Chavri Das. Okay, well, so she's charmed. I'll look to you and say, as you're finishing up your spell, that, uh, and I figure out what's going on. We actually work with Das under the umbrella of uh, respect and trust. Well, I'm going to work with her under an umbrella, too, my friend. Maybe not the one that you expect. No, I know exactly what you're doing. Don't do that. Well, my friend, it is done. And it shall aid our investigation, I think. If you prefer to supervise me, I wouldn't mind. But we don't really have time for... Doss, this politics. person is manipulating you through magic. <laughs> I don't think she believes you. She stares at you for a moment like she understands what you're saying, but also at the same time... Yeah, but they've, they've done nothing wrong. I... I have no reason to suspect a perpetual. Lucius, you can't be serious. This is my absolutely best friend in the entire world. I'm beginning to wonder if this is worth 20,000 credits. 
All we need is the information <laughs> that she has at her possession in a timely manner. I am merely trying to help. Anyway, Detective, it up. She will start leading you guys back to the warehouse. Uh, Oswald, you're already there. Hmm? As you spring off the side of buildings, jump off the lampposts here. Arriving at the warehouse, you can see the destruction that's kind of wrought here. There's holes drilled all over. It's like a, like almost like an acid rain splattered against the side of the building here. Uh, the bodies have long since been cleaned away, so you can't see those. But you can see where concrete broke, where there's shards of stone and whatnot. Something is ripped across from the inside out on both the wall and floor here. Hmm. The storage unit itself is empty. Is there is this a kind of situation where there's multiple storage units to choose from, or is it like one big storage unit? So it's the one they have basically cordoned off mm -hmm. uh, for where the act happened. Uh, right. But there are other storage units nearby. Okay, so it looks like this they were targeting one storage unit in particular. Correct. I guess I'm going to look around for any kind of inventory, uh, whether that's electronically kept or whether there's like a, a log that uh, like a security officer has to keep or anything like that. I want to know what was in this vault before it was emptied up. The data pad that you find here tucked in the back corner of the warehouse is absolutely filled with vines except for where like the buds would be where a flower would grow uh you can see leftover teeth <laughs> well that's bizarre uh it looks like it's eaten the data pad from the inside out but you will hear the approach of your allies as detective Doss points and says well as you can see here perpetual we're dealing with something outside of our normal range as the rest of you approach you can see kind of what i described to oswald the ruined chunks of door frame the broken concrete does anyone have the ability to you know glean information off of this broken data pad like hacking into it or pairing it or anything like that uh i'm currently just sitting the back of the uh van <laughs> with my legs dangling over the side and i've got my reconnaissance uh viewing drone and it's doing some patrolling around the storage units we'll just grab that data pad and take it back with us I'm handing it to you, Lucius. How big is this storage unit? The one with the teeth on it? Yeah, the one with the teeth in it. <laughs> the unit itself is a 10 foot by 20 foot. Okay. So if this was something like something mundane like carbines, there could be a lot of them in here. Chavri, under the effects of the charm, will casually bring up that we do believe if weapons of this volume have been taken, our estimates put this from our Dalam contacts in the range of almost 80 Rethi auto rifles that they're going to have to sell these on the scorn market, as it were. Quinn is already undercover at the market. How do you know they're not just going to give them to their friends? She'll look at you as you say that, Oswalton. I don't believe our quarry has any friends in this city at all. Based on the damage here, I don't imagine they had friends. If you had extra people, you would simply bind or capture those that were blocking you from your goal. The fact that there's murder involved meant that there's no other way for them to be able to get to this without... Removing obstacles. How many dead guards are there? Yeah, is there anybody that lived? <laughs> the Delam agents that were put in charge of watching this were all killed. Are we able to investigate their bodies? Yeah, I can I can reach out to the coroner. SRO winks at Lucius. Their bodies were riddled with holes. What about off-shift workers? Are there is there people who are employed by this depot who just happened to not be on shift at the time that maybe could tell us more about what was contained? There was a graveyard shift employee that was here. An ill kid we can call back in. I believe they're at home now. You probably already reached out to Delam to get their official statement on what was in here, right? Correct. 
Okay, well, that much stuff, you're not going to carry that out with one person. They'd need a vehicle. Is there any, like, uh, security camera footage that the detective wants to just give us? As far as Detective Das, there was nothing recorded here, as this is a corporate storage facility. Mm. Were there any, like, um, corporate liaisons or employees that have given an a, a statement, given their contact information? The Delam liaison gave us a list of what was held inside, but unfortunately, as mentioned, the Delam agents that were stationed here have been removed permanently. She will pass to you, Lucius, Quinn's HCOM number. All right. Reach out to Quinn. He's undercover at the Scorn Market, looking out for illegal sales. That may get you closer to what you're looking for, I assume. I'm inclined to examine the, the destruction a little more closely. It all fits, doesn't it? Feels comfortable here. <laughs> in fact you wish you would have been here for it the razor grass calls to you this is once again a moment where you could be among the fields like you're supposed to be but you come back to and your friends are staring as yeah i imagine i'll be lost in that for about 10 seconds and then turn <laughs> and say nope don't know what's going on here and just just like i'll just walk away Can i roll perception <laughs> to see if i notice his roast beef sweats <laughs> <laughs> you feel that there's something there that Oswald's not telling you, at least, as his hand seems to unconsciously brush the holes ripped through the concrete, and he looks sad. I gotta keep my zombie movie skills sharp. Gotta spot that guy who gets bit <laughs> and doesn't tell anybody. Looks like we've gathered up just about everything we could from this, but um, I'd ask you, Chisero, do you still think that this is what uh, Weiss is capable of? Well, Chisero would say, truly don't know what she's capable of. This is not like anything I've ever seen before. It's possible that this was a result of Rizeric. Um, that great sword is not really as a sword in name only. You see, when it, when it binds with its user, uh, it, it physically binds to their body. And Rizeric was a corrupted lizardfolk druid, Tindalos, an anti-civilization terrorist to destroy a train station by pulling nature through another realm. It was a bit um, an event, as I understand. I, of course, only read about it. Yes, it, it, it is possible that what we're seeing here is a result of the tentacle attachment of Rizeric. Yeah, it seems to add up to me. Give you the side eye. Are you holding back exposition pipe? <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> Yeah, the times that we've seen this have been from exposure to the Far Realm. If you're saying that, that this sword is capable of tapping into that, then I would say they're probably capable. Chesserol will say to the group and also to the detective, does anyone have any suggestions on how we track down who left here other than going to the black market? And was, it, was your contact's name Quinn, Detective Bass? But did I get that name right? Correct. Detective Quinn is undercover in the Scorn Market. Is there a way that we can reach out to them now and see if they have gained any information? Detective Doss, would you be willing to do that for me, our trusted friend? But I'll let everybody else know over Slipper that Doss is being manipulated through magic right now. And to be wary, because maybe we just signed up to be manipulated by magic too. I'll ping back over Slipper. That's why? Why are we doing this? Why? <laughs> 20,000 credits. <laughs> Right. I'm on my way walking back to the, the wrecker right now. <laughs> yeah, Detective Doss will say that I've given you Quinn's HCOM number. This might be best if you meet up with him. 
maybe it's uh, maybe it's better if he has some backup if we're dealing with. And she'll look at you, Chesaro, and perpetuals and things. Seems like something a little bit beyond what we normally should be dealing with. The Scorn Market is built as an extension onto one of the vaults of the great houses of the past. Go ahead and check your HCOMs here in about an hour. By the time you get back, they should be ready. I will reach out to a Sword Eye Judge in order to get you guys access. Detective Das, we will be discreet. Your friend Quinn should not have to worry about a cover being blown. Yeah, she'll lean forward and put out her hand. I really appreciate that. Truly, it is my pleasure. Yeah, as you guys load up into the wrecker, uh, she will come around to the window side where, Lucius, I imagine you're driving. Yeah. As a void, they do have the ability to delay the effects of something for one round. Something that affects them. Oh, great. She's going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) She'll reach out to, thank you for coming out to visit. Thank you for your time. And you will see her eyes go serious. She will stare you dead in the eyes as she goes absolutely serious and whispers to you, Lucius, I hope you a safe trip. And if you ever fucking cast magic on me again, <laughs> this is done. The round ends as she goes back. It's always great to see you, Chesaro. I will remember our time together always, Detective Doss. Sadly, we must be going now. My friends are in a very big hurry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yep, bye. <laughs> yeah, she smiles, backs away, lights a cigarette. And she watches you guys drive off. At this point, that is kind of like trying to press out a sense motive to see if this guy is not trying to be deceptive towards us in any way. So Chesaro will say, oh, uh, uh, um, what I've read about Lucius, I, I, I know only of his, uh, of his grandfather, Magnus Estable, the great and, and, you know, masculinely cloaked and bearded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I rolled a total of 13. <laughs> Completely telling the truth. (laughs) I know. Glad you're looking out for us. We are all on the same team on this, I assure you. Shall we um, get a hamburger now, or is that something that we will do after the job is complete? I am quite curious. Yeah, you know what? You look like the type of person that needs a double cheeseburger calzone. I mean, out of character, I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can I get one of those on Uber Eats? Like, bro, made me hungry. <laughs> I'm seeing a McDonald's cheeseburger shoved inside more bread. If you're quiet, you can actually hear your arteries snap shut. I will. <laughs> yeah, you can stop bleed effects by eating a Bah Humburger. <laughs> Auto stabilize. <laughs> Yeah, that's when I lost my limb. That's what we did. It wasn't any. <laughs> it wasn't any a heel check. or anything. Crammed a burger down. Rubbed a burger on the stump. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are going to the black market, but we do have that information. So um, I'll uh, have my phone kind of levitate over towards Fours and say, um, Fours, can you please start texting Quinn? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and shoot a text over to Quinn. Let them know who we are looking for. But yeah, just let them know that it's us and that uh, we're on a contract to find. They're, they're Illican, right? Illican. Yeah. We'll give out the name and the, the items that we're after, too. Just 
fully just let them know everything. What's her, what is her physical description, Jeff? Louise Haran is an average height Illican, so about five two. Wears kind of a light kinetic Under Armour with a leather jacket. Has a few jewelry rings on of on her head tentacles. And, and brandishing a tentacle sword. We can imagine they might be wearing a really cool scarf. You can imagine they're wearing a really cool scarf. Uh, but yes, your texts go through to Detective Quinn. What are you setting in? The pertinence of our mission, who we're looking for, and what we're expecting they're trying to sell. And a thumbs up emoji. <laughs> and, and a blank <laughs> face emoji followed by a thumbs up emoji. <laughs> yeah, you'll get the response back. Sorry, bro. Down thumbs up, unhappy face. I don't know who that is. This is Percival Stone. <laughs> who the fart is Percival they Stone? Died two minutes later. Yeah, and then a 100% emoji, firework emoji, and then coffee emoji. <laughs> I know what that means. And no, I don't. I'll text back. Uh, okay, right on. Can you give me the specials? Yeah, absolutely. He'll send back a, I would ask to order four sons, and he'll send like four sun emojis. They should have the drinks ready at the front counter. All right. I yeah, I, I stare at it blankly for a little while. And uh, and then I will hand it to Lucius and I'll say, I can't screw this. <laughs> and, and then I will I will I will read it out loud. Uh, but as it sits, yes, you will get the text from Detective Quinn. You're not sure if this used to be a restaurant or it used to be a playground. The lack of kind of mascot or name on the building makes this feel weird. Like maybe it's leftover kind of like air conditioning equipment or maybe children used to play here you don't know but it does suggest that this is the entrance to the Ephrath vault where the scorn market is being held we'll raise my eyebrows and look to everyone excitedly as we prepare to enter secret criminal world uh i probably don't catch your suggestive eyebrows i i'm probably looking out the window distractedly as we're as we're driving yeah what are you excited about for us i mean this place could be dangerous could be but there also could be lots of neat stuff in there well, maybe there is and i'm thinking about how <laughs> poor we are right now <laughs> and uh i'm gonna pull out my data pad see if we're getting <laughs> close to any networks probably not a good idea but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do some window shopping so you can tell there's a barrage of networks and probably this is something I guess only actually you would kind of get because of your computer usability. Uh, the networks end okay. around this building. So you can tell that they have jammers in place nope. to block outside communication, which makes sense, right? If you're, you can't really have a night market. Yeah. No internet zone. <laughs> yeah. You can have a black market if people are taking selfies next to illegal equipment, right? All these uh, people who are on lists, all their cell phone signals are coming from this one warehouse. So the one that will stand out to you for is because you've done this quite a bit, is you notice that even the Amon uh, drone network that you've connected it before, you've dealt with, uh, is turned off in this area. Like it is, uh, yeah, it's noticeably odd because it is on in the streets surrounding it, but it's specifically not on over this entryway. And do they have drones up for show? Invisible drones are there with recon uh, attached. Like you can still sense that these are potentially active drones okay. watching, but they are not connected to the network. 
add another wrinkle to the to the intrigue. But with that said, as you guys approach, the bouncer outside will stop and I'm sorry, restaurant's closed for uh renovations right now. Got a lot of uh a lot of rats. Hella rats. So many rats. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it four sons? <laughs> I'll just obviously hand my phone over to you. <laughs> as I, as I <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'll have the four sons. Gentlemen, I guess I'll look at you. Are you wearing that owlbear coat? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so he looks to the thin mustachioed man with a robot arm wearing a giant owlbear freaking duster. <laughs> Uh, as you say, what you're a member of the Four Sons, or w- what do you say? We pre-ordered Four Sons, and they're uh, waiting at the front counter. Oh, okay. We pre-ordered Four Sons, and they're waiting at the front counter. Yeah, yeah. No, you bring up the Four Sons. Go ahead and give me your diplomacy check. All right, let's do that. Let's get another fifteen, guys. Today I will be getting a twenty-eight. Uh, yeah, with the twenty-eight, the bouncer will. Huh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm. I apologize, sir. Uh, the Four Sons. Please enter. You have a sense motive on that? And I will. 25 is the total. Yeah, with a 25, you can tell this man believes entirely that you guys are a member of the Four Sons. Now, you've heard of them. You don't know quite what they do, but this man does not want to fuck with the Four Sons. I don't have such a knowledge check. As I pass him, say, yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. And I'll give him a friendly <laughs> pat on the chest. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll step aside, and uh, you can see there's clearly a relief moment as you guys walk by without engaging with him. <laughs> I'll give him the uh, biggest, friendliest, creepiest smile I can I can manage. <laughs> <laughs> with your tawny, <laughs> with your tiny mogwai self wearing a wearing a grapple suit on the back, uh-huh. <laughs> no eyebrows. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, to set, to, to set the scene, we have Lucius with his pencil-thin mustache, wearing his owlbear duster with robot arm, backed up by Chesfero, who's basically a dandy. Yeah, it is casual uh, cyberpunk streetwear. Uh, Fours, are you still in yoga pants? Uh, I think if this was fight, I got the uh, impression that this was like a a job job. I'd probably be in like a sort of a coveralls uh, garage outfit, sort of. Oswald, besides your hedron mining equipment, uh, yeah, do you have like, your do you have your big coat that was given to you by? Yeah, I'm wearing like a big puffy winter jacket with like a, a hoodie underneath, so that, like the hood is kind of <laughs> sticking out the back, cargo pants. And... Lucius struts into the opening setup of the Scorn Market, a bustling field of. Weapons, guns, drugs. There's mercenaries selling themselves. If it can be sold, it can be bought. Cicero, Oswald, and Forbes. You guys look around. Bodax walk around talking with investors. Weaponsmiths chatting it up with stockbrokers. Cyberdocs showing their wares to a tech-modified druid with an automobile. Over in the corner, a group of G3 members stand off to the side watching. And there seems to be a couple of off-duty seekers here. But Fors and Oswald, uh, you look over, you see Quinn trying to blend in with a crowd. But Fors, you see him walking with a Corleone assistant. Is that a capital H? Sorry. <laughs> it sure sounded like it. <laughs> it is a capital H him 
boards. You see his blonde hair, handsome face, well, well done business oh. suit. This was a Corleone next to him with a data pad. Okay, I, I, I yeah. <laughs> I think you know exactly who I'm talking about. I think so, <laughs> but keep going. Yeah, you see them perusing wares they walk around. Oswald, you will spot a Lykel wearing a jacket with a bedazzled scorpion on the back. His peakers are designed and look like sunglasses. You can see that it has a recon kit embedded in them. And Lucius, you weren't quite catching it before he walks up and stands in front of you. <laughs> well, if it isn't lucky, it is Band of Raccoons. <laughs> Slowly look over to who? <laughs> There's a clear line in front of you. Once you cross that point, your each comms, your connections will cut off. There's no outside communication. But the guy staring at you, you recognize, you know him. You saw him outside of Bah Hamburger. You've raided him before at the Wagon Wheel. Sander? Thanks for listening, everyone. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Campaign Pod. Our music is by Nihilorn. Our opening and closing track are Catabasis. During the story read, Freedom to Speak. And as they entered the Scorn Market, the song is More Scared of You. Thanks again. I hope your day is going great. Bye.